experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. Here in America, we don't tolerate that kind of crap, sir. The Michael Groff Show. Now the only thing anybody's going to remember me for after I die is being that blind guy. Zip code famous Michael Groff Show. You couldn't open a French whore's legs with a wheel of cheese. So if you're confused about what I'm saying, listen very carefully. I quit this bitch. Michael Graff. Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again? Because you know I've updated it to include all white guys who add izzle to anything. Screw charity. Man, you know, I pledged $50 to stop diabetes, and then I find out that there's still diabetes. And I'm, I'm like, what? Man, talk about a ripoff. Zip code famous Michael Graff show. There's an old saying in Tennessee that says, fool me once, shame on Shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. A theologist might refer to him as a practical joke from God. A sociologist may refer to him as the voice of reason in a cesspool of humanity. While a philosopher may find him to be the ill-advised punchline to the universe. Or maybe that's a punching bag. Whatever. But of course, you know him as the host of the Zip Code Famous... Michael Groff Show. It's very professional when I cough all over the intro. I'm not really sure if you heard that, but I was hacking up a lung while the intro was rolling there, and I, I realized I had the microphone up, so. Whoops. It's my first day on the air, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, welcome in. It is the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show on a Friday, October 26th, 2012. Mercifully, wonderfully, beautifully, just 11 days away from Election Day 2012. And it's heating up. It's getting crazy. Talk about that in just a moment. Contact information for the program. Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. That is also the PayPal address for this program for your most wonderful and uh, generous contributions to this broadcast. AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name Michael Groff Show. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show. AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show is where you can get in touch with us on Google Talk. Michael Groff is the handle on Twitter. And for everything that could possibly be Michael Groff related, you know the place to be is the one and only MichaelGroff.com. While you're at MichaelGroff.com, you can always listen to this podcast and, of course, our previous episodes as well. You can comment on any of the shows that you've heard over the past, well, all the way back to the last couple of years anyway. And you can make a donation to this program. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. This is me nudging you. And uh, wink, wink. You you can't really see the wink, but there's a wink there. All right, so that's it. The one and only michaelgroff.com. We've done the promotion. We've done the contact information. And that's the end of the show. Good night, everybody. I guess not. I guess we actually have to put content in here. Oh, you mean I can't just come in and, and mail in a radio show like most of the guys do that are in radio in the biz this, these days? Because there's a lot of people that do that. A lot of people are mailing it in now. 
I should mention this. I saw Michael Savage is not on the air anymore. I didn't even know this. Somebody brought this to my attention a couple of days ago. Michael Savage, as soon as he won his lawsuit against his previous employer, Talk Radio Network, he quit. He won a lawsuit against them. I guess there was an issue about who owns what or something. I don't know. Anyway, Michael Savage, he's this nationally syndicated host. We've talked about him on the air before. One of these really nutty conservative types, like way out there conservative kind of guys who's written about a hundred books and wants you to know that he is in fact a doctor. Dr. Michael Savage, even though that's not his real name. It's Michael Weiner. But saying the Michael Weiner show doesn't really resonate with people. So he calls himself Michael Savage and his show is The Savage Nation. Yeah, because a show called The Wiener Nation probably just wouldn't sound quite as quite as compelling. If I had a name Michael Wiener, I would probably change my name too. Michael Groff is actually my God-given name. And it actually works out because it sounds like a pretty legit radio name too. Michael Groff. Yeah, Michael Savage, because that's that's a really it's the Savage Nation. So he quit. He won his lawsuit, he quit, and I guess now that he quit, he's going to try and start his own syndication gig and his own syndication company, I suppose, and rumor has it that he's going to be back on in a bunch of affiliates very soon, but for now, I guess he's off the air. I didn't even notice because the local Michael Savage affiliate here in the Phoenix market is some dumpy-ass station that at night sounds uh, pretty much... Well, you have a much better chance hearing extraterrestrials than you do hearing his show on that station. The uh, The signal is pretty bad. Then again, if you want to hear extraterrestrials, just tune in to Coast to Coast. All right. So there's a job opening over at TRN. That's the that's what I take away from this story is that Michael Savage is gone. That means there's a, an opening over there. I wrote to TRN to try and get this show on Talk Radio Network actually years ago. I still have the show that I did, to, that I sent them. I still have the cover letter and resume that I sent in. And I still have the, well, I don't, I don't think I sent them a headshot, but I did send them everything. I sent them a, a nice pressed CD and I sent them a, a beautiful cover letter and resume and a nice, wonderful package that I would send to any prospective affiliate And they pretty much just did what all other radio uh, companies do and ignore me. So it's no big deal. I'm fine with it. So, But now it's been four years since I did that. So maybe it's time to send in another one over to TRN. So I don't know. All right. So that's me. I'm putting out the feelers on the air right now on the podcast. I'm going to put out the feelers. Uh, Hey, look, if you haven't found a host to replace Michael Savage, Michael Weiner over there on Talk Radio Network, I won't sue you. See, this is the best part. If you hire me to do a show, I can tell you this. I won't sue you. I work pretty cheap. I do this show for free. Well, it's not totally free. I do get a small and I, I want to emphasize very, very carefully a very, very small stipend from my ads on my website. And every once in a while, listeners make donations to the program. So I do get that as well. 
But if you could pay me just a little bit more than what Google ads and the listener donations pay me, uh, I would be just fine with that. And I won't even turn around and sue you. So I'm not even a pain in the ass to work with. I will come in. I will do the show. I won't even... Yeah, there'll probably be a little controversy, but I won't cause nearly the controversy that Michael Savage causes because I don't get on the air and say ridiculously stupid things like he does. You know, I say ridiculously stupid things, but they're not ridiculously stupid things like he says. <laughs> they're, they're nothing that could be considered libel or slander. Well, there are things that could be considered. Well, okay, look. It's a different kind of trouble that you would be getting into with me, but whatever. Now, believe it or not, there is quite a bit of news happening. I know it's hard to imagine that just 11 days from an election, there would be a lot of things to talk about. But hey, what do you know? There, there are. We have a lot of polling data, actually. First of all, new day, new polls. Rasmussen has Mitt Romney ahead of Barack Obama, 50 to 46 nationally. The Gallup folks, the folks, uh, let's see, USA Today uh, Gallup poll has Mitt Romney up 51 to 46. In Wisconsin, Romney and Obama are tied at 49. In Ohio, they are tied at 48. And I'm looking, I think there was another poll by CBS that shows uh, Romney trailing Obama by 1%. But either way, no matter what, if you take the averages of a lot of the major polls that are out there right now, if you do the rolling average for the last week, the president and Mitt Romney are pretty much one to three points apart with the smallest of advantage going to Mitt Romney, but still, for the most part, well within the margin of error. So this thing really is going to come down to the next 11 days. It is really going to come down to the wire. Even on election night, it, it is going to be close, although some people still forecast a pretty substantial Obama win. Some people are saying that Romney is going to come out with something like 330 electoral votes. It could get very crazy. I, I got to tell you, two years ago on this program, I said that there wasn't a legitimate Republican challenger that would be able to come along and take down Obama. I said that Obama was very vulnerable, but there's just no way. And theoretically, when you have an economy like we have right now, when you have unemployment as high as it is, with more people out of work than ever before in the history of the United States, more people on welfare, one-sixth of the population is considered in poverty, and you have the terrible foreign policy that's been going on in this administration, you would think it would be a slam dunk for the challenger against the incumbent. The incumbent would have no chance with this kind of stuff going on. And historically, that's been true. Look at it this way. President George H.W. Bush back in 1992 didn't have nearly the problems that we have now, and he got swept out of office after one term. Jimmy Carter, he didn't have nearly the problems we have now. Now, he, there were some big things. Inflation was very bad during the Carter years, and there was certainly the Iranian hostage situation, and the American people didn't like that. That was just dragging on and on. And there were other things, too, about Jimmy Carter that people just sort of didn't like, the malaise of the Jimmy Carter administration. He was the same president, too, that went before this, the United States during a State of the Union address. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, the State of the Union, the State of the Union is not good. So when you do that, you're probably setting yourself up for um, a one-term affair. Nevertheless, 
he had some economic issues. He had some foreign policy problems and he got swept out in a big way by Ronald Reagan. And you could go back even further in history. You could look at how um, FDR just stormed the White House. So historically, there's a lot of precedent for this. And you would say that President Obama should not even have a chance against Mitt Romney because all the indicators are so negative, are so against Obama, but it's still close, which tells me a couple of things. Number one, it tells me that people don't really like Mitt Romney that much. They're like, look, we know that things are bad. President Obama is is just a, a major screw up. He's a colossal disaster, as everyone thought that he would be. But Mitt Romney sucks as well. He's we think that he's shady. He doesn't really have a plan for the future. President Obama doesn't really have a plan for the future. But the American people still see it as I only have two choices. I either have to choose to drink the red Kool-Aid or the blue Kool-Aid. I can only take the red pill or the blue pill. They don't realize that there are alternatives out there. Unfortunately, that's the problem, and the American people are sort of stuck. So that's why it's as close as it is. There's a lot of people that, well, they're not undecided. They just go, it's really a lesser of two evils. And there are more than two choices. But once again, this is what you get when you have an uninformed electorate here in the United States. They think, ah, I've got to vote for that Republican, or I've got to vote for that Democrat. So that's, that's where we're at. But the polls... Uh, the polling data still does show uh, that indeed Mitt Romney is slightly in the lead. So uh, we'll see what happens. We have 11 days to go. And I'll tell you the one thing, well, there's a couple of things that are going to continue to shape how this plays out. Number one is the Benghazi incident. More information is out today about what's gone on, what the president knew, what the White House knew what the FBI knew and what other intelligence agencies here in the U.S. knew with regard to Benghazi and when they knew it. As we told you before, the emails that came out from CBS News and Reuters released the email correspondence that were sent to various sources, including the White House Situation Room, the State Department, and the FBI. And these emails tell that when the attacks occurred on our Libyan consulate, who was who was there, who was killed, and who claimed responsibility ultimately. It was that Ansar al-Sharia, Ansar al-Sharia, that uh, terrorist group, who claimed responsibility for it on Twitter and Facebook no less than two hours after the initial attack was reported in email. And that, in and of itself, tells you a lot. And it tells you that the, the State Department, the White House Situation Room, Possibly the president knew within two hours that this was a terrorist attack and they decided to blame this on a YouTube video and be very, very secretive about it. Now, I want to make it very clear before I get lumped into the wingnut category that's going on on conservative talk radio across the country. I am not sitting here, at least on October 26th, 2012, I am not sitting here advocating for impeachment of President Obama. I am not sitting here and advocating that we that we lead him off in handcuffs and all of this kind of nonsense that I have heard on conservative talk radio today. Nevertheless, I am saying that even if I give President Obama the benefit of the doubt, there is no question that he lied by omission at the at the least. He lied by omission about what was known, 
with regard to our the attack on our Libyan embassy and by calling it a random act, by calling it a an act uh, out of protest and blaming the YouTube video, all of these other things that the Obama administration and all the pundits kept saying, all of this was irresponsible when President Obama every morning gets an intelligence brief and of course is briefed whenever there's any kind of major incident that goes down. So you know that for sure by the next morning, he got all of the information that was in these emails and all of the other information that's starting to come out from the State Department now and the new information and, and all the other stuff, all these other emails too, that not just the ones that were released yesterday on CBS News and Reuters, but the full laundry list of emails, all of the correspondence. So he knew all about that. Now, again, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that maybe there's more information that was unknown or that was questionable that he didn't want to come forward with right away. And I respect that to a point, but to not tell the American people that there was, in fact, a terrorist attack and be very specific about it and be very specific about who was killed and what happened. And to say, look, uh, we made a mistake, all right? They asked us for more security. We didn't provide it. That is new information that's out. There, was, uh, there, were, there were communications where our Libyan consulate asked for more security because they were worried about the upcoming 9-11 anniversary. And they were concerned that there was a, a credible risk of a terrorist attack. Now, to be fair, all of our embassies are subject to any kind of terrorist attack. Because they are U.S. embassies and they're over there in the Middle East or North Africa where just about anything anywhere is subject to a terrorist attack, an attack by a radical Islamic fundamentalist group. But they said that they needed more security and they were ignored by the administration. Now, whether that falls, again, on the, on the State Department, the Department of Defense, the president himself, whoever that falls upon, you have to say the buck stops here. The buck stops with the president. So, I, again, I am not advocating for impeachment proceedings, but I am saying that the president definitely covered some things up. There was definitely a lie or two that was told here. And even if I give him all of the benefits of the doubt, there were lies told, there were deceptions, there, there was a cover-up. There is no question. And heads are definitely going to roll in the administration, or they need to roll to save face. Because otherwise, this is going to all boomerang back to the president if some people aren't fired over this incident. And this, at least to some people, could be the smallest bit of a difference maker in the election. I don't think this moves the meter much with the American people, but it probably does just a little bit. And when we're talking about a presidential race that's as close as it is right now, any kind of little thing, no matter what it is, anything that moves the meter at all with the American public is going to be enough to potentially push you over the edge. And that's, I really think this, this could be the, the one thing, the breaking point really for the American people. Now, look, most people still care about the economy more than anything else. They care about where their next paycheck's coming from, if they're going to have a job tomorrow, how they're going to get their kids to school, how they're going to get to work, how much gas is costing them, how much food is costing them, heating oil prices, all this kind of stuff. That is what the primary concern with most people still happens to be. 
that though is again something that Mitt Romney Mitt Romney hasn't really been talking about the Benghazi stuff. If I were Mitt Romney, I would be taking that every day. I'd be saying, look, this president has deceived you. I would be pounding that. But Mitt Romney, I guess he's taking the high road. I guess he's decided I'm not going to make this a political thing. I'm not even going to touch the Benghazi thing, even though it is bad foreign policy. I'll just let sleeping dogs lie on that. I'll let the the rest of the conservative attack dogs take care of that. I'm not going to touch it. I'll just keep hammering home the economy. And that's what he's been doing. Mitt Romney... Uh, well, Paul Ryan was in Wisconsin yesterday. Mitt Romney was in Colorado the other day. I believe today he went to Ohio. I'm not sure. I know um, Mitt Romney, uh, Barack Obama was in Florida yesterday. Um, he's uh, traveling the circuits. Of course, he's going back to Ohio again, I guess, or Michigan. Um Romney had a scheduled uh, stop in Virginia Beach this weekend, but he has since canceled that because of the storm. Oh, my God. And and I, I want to talk about this for a second. Never mind this political talk. Has anybody seen the coverage of this Hurricane Sandy, or I guess right now it's Tropical Storm Sandy, which is sitting off the east coast of Florida, moving to the north-northeast? This storm has been covered by the major media. They are making this out to be, I think they're calling it like Stormzilla or something like that. They are making this out to be the biggest storm ever. They're making it out to be like a Whitley Strieber superstorm. In fact, I read a couple of different places where they call it a superstorm because they expect this storm to once again strengthen at least to a Category 1 hurricane, move north-northeast along the eastern seaboard of the United States, about 100 miles or so off the east coast of the United States, and then make an abrupt left turn, move northwest, and slam into the mid-Atlantic states, somewhere around Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey area somewhere in that general zone and move in and be absorbed into this large cold front that's coming down from Canada. And they say that this would create kind of of an enhanced nor'easter type storm where you have uh, a lot of strong winds and heavy rain and maybe even some snow up uh, toward Maine and New Hampshire, Vermont area. And they're saying this could be this could be just a, an insane storm. It could. Uh, we've already got states of emergency declared. You know, the, the Weather Channel and some of these other media outlets, Fox News, they're really running with this thing. They're making this out to be the biggest storm that has ever occurred. And nothing's even happened yet. And they're telling you how devastating this storm is going to be. We already have states of emergency declared in five states. Five states have already declared states of emergency in preparation for this storm because they anticipate winds of 70 miles an hour and torrential rains. We're talking five to seven inches of rain. Lots of flooding potentially for, you know, rain and wind continuing for 24 to 48 hours in some places. Some places could be battered by hour after hour of intense wind. And this will be one of the biggest storm systems to ever impact the northeastern United States. And it could even have an effect on the election. And that's
that's what they're saying. This is the spin that they're going with. Meanwhile, you know what's going to happen with this storm? I'll tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a little bit of wind. There's going to be a little bit of rain. It's going to be like it normally is in October, late October, in the Northeast U.S. They get wind. They get rain. It happens every single year. There is a storm that occurs every year around this time of year in that part of the world. You know, I'm listening to these guys. I'm listening to these nut jobs that get on TV. And of course, of course, because I just love to torture myself, I turned on Coast to Coast AM and that Whitley Strieber was on there. And he's saying, well, this is very unusual. You have you have a high pressure uh, that is further north than usual. There's a high pressure um, off the uh, coast uh, parallel with New York. That's unusual. No, it's not. And the Gulf Stream is further north than usual. No, it's not. The Gulf Stream is always there, yuts. The Gulf Stream, which of course emerges from the Gulf of Mexico, runs across the strait uh, between Cuba and Florida, and then goes up the eastern seaboard of the United States, then across the Atlantic and toward uh, Europe, which is what helps keep uh, Europe's climate, especially Western Europe's climate, rather moderated. So they don't get extremely cold systems and extremely cold weather. So the Gulf Stream, he says, is it's further north than usual, and this is unusual. And and uh, no, it's not. This this is not unusual. But hurricane season should be over by now. No, hurricane season runs through November thirtieth. This is not anything new. There have been many hurricanes that have occurred in October before. This is not that unusual. It's been a little bit more of an active season than normal. We're up to the letter S in the Atlantic hurricane season. We're up to Sandy. But it's not that ridiculous. We haven't had a lot of storms slam into the United States this year. Most of the storms have just formed out over the Atlantic and they just drifted off harmlessly into open waters um, and, and just harmlessly fizzled out, got sheared out. No big deal. But they're making this storm out. Oh, it's going to be catastrophic. We are talking about there could be tornadoes. There will be wind. There will be snow. We could have 52 feet of snow. And just carrying on about how bad this storm's going to be. We have storm team coverage. I, I can't believe how they hype up a system before it even happens. And you know that this thing is going to be Nothing. It's going to just be a regular storm. Yeah, there's going to be a little wind. It's going to be a little windy. It's going to rain a little bit. I heard well, uh, they're going to cancel school on Monday across many parts of the East Coast. Really? They're going to cancel school. Can I tell you something, man? I, I, and I know I sound like I'm 100 when I say this. My dad used to tell me about how when he was in North Dakota. I know, uphill, both ways, snow. But they, they wouldn't cancel school unless it was like 50 below and a driving snowstorm. That was about the only way that they were going to cancel school in North Dakota. Well, otherwise, if they didn't, they would never have school in the winter. School would only occur from like May through September. There wouldn't be school the rest of the year. But still, uh, it's weird how now, now if it rains a little bit, we cancel school. No wonder uh, we rank so poorly in math and science. We look for any excuse to get the kids out of school. It's not about the budget. It's not about how much we spend on education. It's the fact that if it rains, we pull the kids out of school. Well, there's a 30% chance of rain. Might be a little wind. Might be just a little bit of wind. 
can't have the kids go to school today. Nope. All right. Sandy. This uh, Sandy could be a superstorm. Stormzilla. And just in time for Halloween. Everyone is just... You people are crazy. You you people know that, right? This storm is not going to be that bad. It's not going to be the worst storm to ever hit. Even if... Even if it does make landfall as a hurricane. And let me just tell you something. That's a, it's, it's a possibility. Okay? It's a possibility. This, this storm could slam into the eastern seaboard as a hurricane. And that would be bad. And, but it's not going to be the worst storm that's ever hit the east coast of the U.S. All right? And I'm not trying to downplay it. I know there's, it's already killed. Uh, this storm has killed 23 people in Jamaica. So it is a serious storm. There's no question. It's weakened somewhat over the last 24 to 36 hours because it's moved uh, across uh, Cuba and it's moved over the Bahamas and it's sort of encountered a little bit of wind shear. So the storm has been knocked down to a tropical storm, at least for the moment. And they do expect it to, again, re-intensify into a hurricane. But I don't think that this is going to be the major storm that everybody just cracks it up to be. But even if it was, I, I think... People along the coast, along the East Coast, have prepared for hurricanes, especially just Category 1 hurricanes for the most part, and they're able to deal with it. They'll be able to to handle it, I'm pretty sure. But no, it's, it's going to be the biggest storm to ever hit. I'm just looking here to see what they call it. Oh, yeah, they're calling it the Frankenstorm. They're calling it that because it could affect the area on... Halloween. See, that's very clever. The media very clever with their naming. Frankenstorm. I say just, I hope it doesn't affect the election because it could cost the nation about $16 trillion or so. That's my contribution. See, I can write the zingers too. Look at me. All right. Um, anyway, just getting back to this point very quickly. So I, I think obviously the Benghazi stuff could be affecting the election. Uh, Romney's still pounding the economy and, um, you know, Joe Biden's out there stumping also. I forgot to mention this. When we get back after the break, I have to bring this up. Joe Biden was out and he had a senior moment. We feel bad for Grandpa Joe here on the program. He's, he's getting on in his years. It's either that he's suffering from senility, he's having senior moments, or he's doing what a lot of people do whenever they get out and try to stump for their candidate. He just makes a bunch of stuff up. Yeah, he just makes up numbers, stats, figures, just throws them out there and hopes that the base will just run with them. And I've got news for you. The base always runs with your talking points. Just like when Romney makes up stuff, people, the Republicans just parrot that as their talking point. So Biden makes up some stuff. You won't believe the zinger that Biden makes up, though. This is good. Like, really, this is one of those things where you go, wow. And people just sat there and listened. Sometimes I really wonder about the intelligence of people that attend these rallies. Like nobody, even people in your own party, they they hear you say something completely ridiculous and they don't go, hmm, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like it could be just a little off. I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Hmm. Maybe I had to look into that a little further. People don't do that anymore. They don't call it a question. No, the vice president said it's probably right. Even though, well, I'm not going to give away what he said just yet. You'll have to wait till after the break. And we have the Michael Grav Show stupid news file we still have to do. That's coming up. And... We have the pop chart. We haven't taken a look at the pop chart yet this week, so I need to do that. 
We'll check that out. We have a lot of stuff still to get into. You know where you're at. It's the one and only Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. We'll be back. The Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. MichaelGraff.com. Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show on a Friday, October 26, 2012. Mike at KMGX.com, our email address. That is Mike at KMGX.com. Also, that's our PayPal address. Michael Grav Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Grav Show on GTalk. Michael Grav is the handle on Twitter. And for anything Michael Grav related, you can always go to the one and only MichaelGrav.com. While you're there, you can... Post your comments on this or any of our previous programs. Make a donation to our show. Check out the Twitter feed. Anything else that you could possibly ever want to do that's anything Michael Graff related. It's the one and only MichaelGraff.com. I'm not sure if Joe Biden is having a senior moment. I don't know if he's having a mental breakdown. I'm not entirely sure that he even knows what he's talking about anymore. If you saw earlier today, he was out giving an address someplace. Maybe this was yesterday. And I don't know. Maybe this is just one of those things where you you throw out any statistics that you possibly can and hope that your base buys into it. And I guess that's what they're doing now. I guess that's what both candidates do. I know the Democrats are getting desperate. They see themselves trailing in the polls to Mitt Romney. They can't even believe it. So now they're just going to start throwing out alarmist, ridiculous statistics, making up numbers, making up figures that there's just no ability to substantiate. I don't know which of those two it is. I don't know if it's a lie or if it's just senility setting in for Joe Biden. But here he is. I won't even say what's wrong with this clip. I'll just play it for you. You figure it out. Here we go. This is Joe Biden addressing a group of supporters, getting people all wound up. Where was this at? This was in um, this was in Wisconsin. All right. This is great. Here we go. But you can't erase what you've already done. They voted to extend tax cuts for the very wealthy, giving a $500 trillion tax cut to 120,000 families. I want there you go. What's wrong with that clip, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. He's saying that uh, now Mitt Romney, the, the, the previous talking point from Barack Obama was that uh, Mitt Romney was going to issue a $5 trillion tax cut to the rich, which of course is completely preposterous because, well, a $5 trillion tax cut is, what, more than twice our annual budget or nearly twice our annual budget? 
So that's pretty much impossible. He's going to give a tax cut bigger than all of the money that we take in in a year in the United States. But now Joe Biden says, well, the five trillion dollar thing wasn't sticking. So I'm going to I'm going to just go way overboard. I'm going to make up a number. This is what you do whenever you want to really stick it to your opponent. You make up such a ridiculously ludicrous statement. You go so far out that people just go, oh, my God, would he really five hundred trillion dollars? Would he really do that? A five hundred trillion dollar tax cut? I didn't even know there was that much money in the world. Well, there's not actually. There's not that much money in the world. $500 trillion. It sounds like an Austin Powers thing. I'm surprised that Biden didn't put like his pinky to the side of his mouth. $500 trillion. I'm surprised he didn't just do that. That would have been better. He just gets the, the music to come up. $500 trillion. I would have done that. that would have been, he might as well. Maybe he just doesn't know the difference. Five trillion, 500 trillion, quadrillion. That is, that's a half a quadrillion dollars. Uh, $11.8 billion at these. And then Mitt Romney responded with, oh yeah? Well, they're going to spend 82 gajillion dollars on Obamacare. That's what's going to come next. The, the Romney-Ryan camp is going to respond with a, a, an even more ridiculous statistic. See, this is what happens. There is no doubt that the American people, at least some of the people that are Obama-Biden supporters, are going to get on the air. They're going to call up these liberal talk shows. They're going to buy this bunch of crap that the vice president is selling, hook, line, and sinker. They're going to call into some of these liberal talk shows, and they're going to get everybody as wound up as possible with this made-up number. You know they believe this. That some people that were listening to this they actually probably just go, yeah, that sounds like something that that Romney would do, that bastard. So they're going to call up uh, liberal talk shows and they're going to call into the host and go, you see this, Mitt Romney, did you hear what, what Joe Biden said? He's going to give a $500 trillion tax cut. And you know that the talk show host in question, they're, they're not going to call out the BS on that. They're going to sit there and go along with it, even though they, they know that that's intellectually dishonest. They know that they're wrong. Now, of course, as I said, the Romney camp will come back with something equally ridiculous. I'm sure this is what happens. It's the ping pong bet, but $500 trillion. I, why not? Why not? If you're going to go big, go big. Go big or go home. That's what you do. You, you just throw it all out there. Throw it up against the wall. See what sticks. I'm sure people in the base are buying it. So Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen, with another senior moment. All right. $500 trillion. I'll just make it up. More, more than any amount of money that exists on planet Earth in any government, anywhere, no matter what. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll try to move past that. Joe Biden. Grandpa Joe, whenever he opens his mouth, it is hilarious. It really is. He's awesome. I don't know what else I should get to here. I've got a couple of uh, other things. I mentioned radio at the top of the show that Michael Savage isn't on the air anymore. I might as well get to this. Uh, Glenn Beck. I've documented on this program before Glenn Beck's phoniness. And I know that some of you probably are uncomfortable with this. I have no problem with somebody displaying emotion and getting passionate about a topic that they discuss on the air. 
I have no problem even with somebody that sheds a tear or gets emotional. I can't say for sure. Well, I can say for sure I've never cried on the air. But I, I know that I've had tears well up when talking about a couple of subjects over the 12 plus years that I've been doing this show. So it has happened. I've never let out a sob or anything like that on the air, but I have felt the tears well up every once in a while. All right. Nevertheless, when somebody turns it into sort of a shtick to just start crying at the drop of a hat on the air, not only does it get old, but it really exposes you as a big fraud and a big phony. And that's exactly what I think Glenn Beck is. He represents everything that I think is wrong with radio. And no, it's not because of his politics. It, look, I, I, don't, I don't always agree with his politics. I, I don't agree necessarily with that style. You used to be this kind of libertarian, sort of mainstream libertarian type, and now you're all God-fearing and Bible-thumping, and half of the show is almost a, a sermon at this point. So yeah, that does bother me a little bit. Because I, I really think it's a phony shtick. It's a phony thing to do. And I guess it's there because you, you saw your audience slip away. So now you better go after the ultra crazy God freaks and, and get on, on that bandwagon. So I do think that he's a phony. And I'm, I'm sorry that I have to do this. But in the interest of fairness, here we go again. Glenn Beck demonstrating yet more phoniness on his radio show today. He was talking about the Benghazi incident and he was getting fired up and he's, he, he can't believe that we, that the president dropped the ball on this, as many of us can't. But he said, gee, I don't know why they couldn't just send in a drone to attack these people that are going after our Libyan consulate. And he takes it to the wall. He takes this, this talking point and just goes ridiculous. And then, well, he loses it. He gets more melodramatic than anyone I've ever heard in radio. This is becoming a regular thing for Glenn Beck. I'm not going to play the entire segment, but I will. The last, this is like a two minute clip, maybe about a minute and a half, two minutes. And you just have to hear the phoniness that comes from Glenn Beck. Here it is. And he's like, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm not asking you to send a troop in. I'm asking you to send I'm asking you to send one robotic plane in. One. And I can take them out and I'll live and so will everybody else. I'm asking for one robotic plane. This is this is the thing that he does now. The thing that he he, he gets and starts yelling into the microphone. And look, that's fine. I have no problem with passion, but this guy gets everything is melodramatic to Glenn Beck. I had a muffin this morning. I had a muffin and it was good. This is the thing that he does now. I, I swear the guy is probably going to die of a heart attack any day. I had a muffin and a breakfast sandwich and it was good. And it was really good. It was just so incredible. I had bacon. It was so good. <laughs> That's what he does now. That's what his entire... So anyway, let me just continue with this. And you don't send it? How these guys, what these guys, what these Navy SEALs had to be thinking in their own head. 
What have I sacrificed for? What do we even mean? Wow. I've never seen anything like it. Today officially is the day that I no longer recognize my country. Oh, Jesus Christ. Put on a dress. If I may... With the long pauses. If I may ask that you double your efforts on everything that you are doing. Oh, Jesus Christ. For Glenn Doherty and Tyrone Woods. And all those that died in Benghazi. Right. That those dead will not have died in vain. Their story, their story is the story that needs to be heard and told. Right. All of the information that we have given you today, the the father of Tyrone Woods, uh-huh. his story that he shared with us this morning and last night on the TV show is right. available. I beg of you, please, especially if you have them in any swing states, email that to everybody you know, Facebook it. Put it, uh, uh, tweet it, get it out as far and as fast as you can. You're a twit, all right. In honor of the fallen and honor. Yeah. So that's Glenn Beck from his show earlier today. He just, today is the day I officially don't recognize my country. Because a president covered something up. Gee, that's never happened before. Oh, wait, it's only happened with every president since I've been alive. Well, I don't know about George H.W. Bush, but it has happened with George W. Bush, Bush 43, happened with President Clinton. It happened, even Ronald Reagan, as much as I like Ronald Reagan, it happened with Ronald Reagan. It happened with Jimmy Carter. It happens with every single president, basically. Richard Nixon the most famous of all, and he's in your party, Glenn. He's in your party, Richard. I know Republicans try to distance themselves from Richard Nixon as much as possible, and they try to tell, well, you know, he had great foreign policy, but uh, everything else about Nixon, we we just don't really recognize. Glenn. Well, Gerald Ford maybe didn't cover anything up. I don't know. (laughs) Gerald Ford was a pisser. You gotta love him, but I think really... It's about time to stop the, the righteous indignation and this, this feigned melodrama that you put on the air. And I understand you're upset that people died in Benghazi. We all, American people should be upset by it. You should. You should get outraged. You should be upset. And, and I'm certainly one to embrace passion. I think that a radio host or anybody that talks about something and you're not passionate about it, why are you talking about it then? Anything that you discuss, anything that you feel in your life, you should always have passion for. But at that, at the same time, passion does not mean you go on the air and you get this feigned, again, this feigned indignation. You get, you pretend to get riled up. You pretend to be all, I'm completely outraged. And, and then you, you start crying about it on the air. Because if you do that every single day, if every single day the tears are flowing out of your eyes, it just makes you look like such a phony. And when there's something that's this serious where people actually died and you get on the air and you pretend that you're just 
so crushed and destroyed by it. It makes people go, well, last week he was crying about his son. And of course, I'm well, I'm surprised at least at this point, he didn't make it about him. He didn't make it about himself, really. I need, I want you to double your efforts. I want, I really want you to take action. And I guess by that he means go out and vote for Romney. Because voting for Romney means that you, these people that died in Benghazi will not have died in vain. Really? That somehow makes it, if you're in a swing state especially, get out there. Email this to your friends. It's important that we get Romney elected because Romney is the key. He will resurrect the people that died in Benghazi. Look, the people that died in Benghazi was a tragic incident, a tragic event. And there was no doubt a failure on the part of the government, maybe the part of the president. Certainly, there was a failure in our government. Certainly, people didn't pay attention. But uh, to say, to suggest that, because the implication there is, if you go out and vote for Romney, that will vindicate those people. Okay. All right. I get it. I get Because, and then what, what happens when Mitt Romney launches a war against Iran? Then what happens? Again, I'm not saying you let the president off the hook. Do not let this president off the hook for this. But this is why conservatives get made fun of constantly. This is why they are the target of every late night talk show, of every columnist, even people that are uh, that fellow conservatives. This is why people get the branding that they get. This is why Glenn Beck gets the bad branding that he gets. Ten years ago, when he was just sort of a regular, mainstream, non-sermon peddling just sort of libertarian conservative type. Nobody cared. And I guess maybe that was the problem was, you know, he had some affiliates, he had some stations, but really nobody was talking about him. He wasn't getting the big name recognition that Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity had on the conservative side. So he said, listen, I've got to step up my game. I've got to become more outrageous. I've got to start throwing things. I've got to start talking about Hitler and weaving Adolf Hitler into every single angle that I talk about on a regular basis. And then I have to make sure that if that does, since that doesn't really work, I mean, that got me a few more stations. Uh, okay, now what else can I do? Huh? My act is starting to get old. Uh, I was on Fox News for a while. Even they thought I was too nutty. So they, they sent me. Well, I think at first he was on headline news. And he got... I think terminated from that gig or maybe he left to go to Fox News. I don't know which it was, but then he's on Fox News and Fox News says you're too crazy. This is the network that employs Bill O'Reilly and they're telling you you're too crazy. So you're done. So you're out of Fox News. So then now he's, he's doing his own thing on online. You know, he's got his uh, The Blaze and Glenn Beck TV or whatever it is. And that's cool. Listen, I have no problem with it. I'm not even putting that down. I'm saying, though, that this continuing to move further and further to the extreme is not really a healthy thing. And it doesn't move the dialogue forward in this country. If you really care about this country as much as you say you do, then I don't know. Maybe you would try to think of a different solution than I need you to go and double your efforts today. I need you to get out there 
especially if you're in a swing state. Email this to your friends. Facebook it to your friends. Yeah, good idea. Because if there's one thing that's been lacking on Facebook, it's political discourse. We could really use more political discussion on Facebook. We need more people to start posting inflammatory commentary, more people to post their agendas, their cartoons, their nonsense on Facebook. I, I think we really need more people to start posting political commentary up there. There's just not nearly enough of it on Facebook. More people need to start blocking people because of their political views. Everyone needs to get out their individual opinion. That is something we definitely need more of on Facebook. Good idea, Glenn. Good idea. I need you to double your efforts. This is something that I need you to do. I need you to double your efforts. Is this guy, is he insane? He's got to be got to be something wrong with this if you really cared about your country you would stop with the nonsense well i i think if you really cared about your country maybe you'd start looking at more than just republican and democrat and and just sort of expand your view and maybe see that there are people that would rather we instead of sending drones in to solve our problems maybe we just wouldn't be there in the first place to start up the problems i'm just saying I know it's it's a message that I often sort of tout on this program, but I really think that the best way to avoid a problem is to not put yourself in a position to have a problem in the first place. If we didn't have an embassy in Libya, it wouldn't get blown up. Christopher Stevens wouldn't be dead. He wouldn't be an ambassador either. I don't know what he'd be doing. Maybe he'd be a CEO of a business someplace. Glenn Beck, you like businesses, right? You like business? Voting for a guy that has business. I mean, Christopher Stevens probably would still be alive if we didn't decide we needed military bases and we need embassies. We need we need to be in every single country possible. Our presence needs to be there. Our brand, the brand that is the United States needs to be stamped everywhere. It needs to be put on everything. If we didn't have that mentality... You know, I'm pretty sure that those four people would still be alive. Maybe they would have died in a car accident instead. But at least they wouldn't have been killed senselessly by a bunch of people that really, quite frankly, don't want us there. Terrorists. And I'm not excusing the act of terrorism and I'm not excusing what went on at all. And I hope every single one of those people that killed our ambassador and the three other people that were in our Libyan consulate, I hope they all get what's coming to them. But at the same time, one has to wonder, why in the world do you sit there and you, you want to put a Band-Aid on these problems? People like Glenn Beck, I want you to go out and vote for Romney. That's the answer. Okay. Okay. That's the answer. All right, double your efforts, according to Glenn Beck. So he's on the radio crying once again. And whenever that happens, we're going to be right there to document it. And just so you know, and if you're a brand new listener to this podcast and you think that I'm some liberal nut job that's getting on the air just senselessly attacking poor Glenn Beck, I have probably played clips from a hundred different radio shows, and I would say that the just as many of the liberal nut jobs that are on the air get my vengeance as the conservative jackasses. 
I don't even know if Glenn Beck is, if you can even call him conservative anymore. I mean, he's just way out there. He's out there in loon land. He's socially conservative. He's fiscally conservative. He's so conservative that uh, conservatives go, whoa, whoa, wait, slow, slow it down there, Glenn. That's why he's not on as many radio stations as he used to be. Some radio stations even go, ooh, you know, that's a little bit overboard. I just want to say this, too, before I, I get any further. And since we're talking about radio hosts and wacky things, and I've made my comments very clear about this, I, I want an investigation done on the president, and I want to see what he knew and what went on. And, you know, I, again, as we sit here on October 26, 2012, I am not for an impeachment proceeding. As of today, that may change in the future. I am leaving that door open. But as of today, I'm not one of these nut jobs that says, let's impeach. Heard a guy on the radio yesterday, a fill-in guy, a guy that actually used to be in radio here in Phoenix back in the 80s and was a liberal back then, like a really hardcore liberal. Now he's like the head or one of the heads of the Tea Party Express, this guy named Mark Williams. He's on the air yesterday. And he's getting people fired up saying, we need to take Barack Obama, handcuff him, lead him off of a stage while he's campaigning, lead him off of a stage in handcuffs and arrest him for high crimes and treason because of the Benghazi incident. This is a guy actually on the air advocating such an idea. Okay, this is what's going on in the radio business now. I am never going to make it in this business uh, in a big, on a big stage. I won't. And you know why I won't? Because I'm not an extremist like these people. That's the direction that the radio business is heading in. That's the direction that, not just radio, that's the direction the broadcast business is heading in. You get more and more extremist positions on the left and on the right every single day. Used to be that when you tuned into a station, you, you got many different perspectives and many different voices. Some people were moderates, some people were feminists, some people were extreme, you know, were right wing, some people were left wing, some people were socialists, some people were fascist. You got a lot of different views. And to some extent, you can still get that, but you'll never get that on one station. But you still, to some extent, get that on the radio dial. But now, in order to get a higher amount of listeners and therefore higher compensatory ad rates, you have to be more and more outrageous. Because that's what draws in listeners. People go, I can't believe that they would say something like that. So I have to tune in. I'm not that guy. And I can never play that guy on the air. I don't know how to play that guy. I, I, I guess if somebody said to me, if somebody dumped a whole bunch of money in front of me and said, Mike, why don't you go on the air and pretend to be a liberal? Play out a character. You don't even have to use your real name. Use a, a different name. You know, be, I don't know, Josh Weiner. It's the Josh Weiner program. I love liberalism. I love Barack Obama. He's the greatest ever. He's the greatest president we've ever had in this country. I, I think we need to take a, a tax, the wealthy, 85% of their income after $1 million. After you make your first million dollars, 85% of your income should be taxed. Oy, there's way too many rich people. We need to redistribute the wealth. In this country, this is the Josh Weiner program. Thank you for listening. I might be able to do that. Or if somebody equally said, hey, go on the air, be conservative. Be, just, you know, peddle the, the Republican Party. Uh, 
Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to, because this is how you have to, you know, I'd take the Rush Limbaugh approach and I'd rattle as many papers. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I've issued the latest, and again, I'd have to come up with a good conservative name, Nathan Jackass. <laughs> it's the Nathan Jackass program. And uh, I just think, I think that anybody that uh, has sex outside of marriage, ladies and gentlemen, is evil. And if you are, uh, and and uh, what else? What else do we? Oh, never. If you if you ever even think about taking a Percocet, marijuana, any type of drug whatsoever, ladies and gentlemen, outside of a prescription, you are despicable. Now, if I get caught doing it, I'm going to fight it with every means possible, ladies and gentlemen, because that is what you do as a conservative. You are a big-time hypocrite. But all drugs, anything, mind-altering is bad, except for alcohol and tobacco. Those are good. We've determined. Those, those are good. Anything else is bad. I want the government out of everything except the bedroom. Oh, yeah. Gays are evil also, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, gays should not have the same... Marriage is a sacred institution. So if somebody dumped some money in front of me and said, be one of those characters, you know, probably, okay, maybe. I, I don't think I really could. I don't think I could sell out like that. But, you know, maybe, I guess, for a little while, I could pretend to be a character. This is entertainment, after all. This is show business on some level. But I don't think I could get on the air and act like now with the extremists that are on the air, some of these people that get on and I mean, can you imagine if I, if, if I'm sure, I'm sure some of you in this audience will answer differently, but if they dumped a bunch of money in front of you, hundred thousand, 500,000, a million bucks a year and said to you, all right, we want you to take the most, we want you to take an extreme left or extreme right position. And you got to get on the air and peddle this. You've got to go out and, and do this to the best of your ability all, all the time. This is the character that you play when, that, when you're behind that microphone, whether you're on your show or whether you make an appearance on Fox News or, or whatever, Al Gore's channel, whatever persuasion you are, you have to be this character. I mean, could you really do that for any extended length of time or would it just make you sick? I don't know. Or, or do you eventually, do you become this character? Do you play this character on the air so long that you eventually just become that person? Rush Limbaugh, is he really that way? He's been that guy for so long now. Is he really that much of a douche? I don't know. I wonder. I really wonder about these people. I don't know if I could do it. I, I don't think, I mean, for a little, okay, it's the Josh Weiner program. Thank you so much for listening. We have to make sure that people don't eat trans fats. We have so many fat people, we have to take care of them. And the best way is to go after restaurants and businesses and make sure that what they're serving is okay. No trans fats, no salts. And uh, we're even going to do our best to get rid of baby formula because it's unhealthy. You should only breastfeed. And if you can't breastfeed for whatever reason... Then you have to fill out 19 forms to get a couple of cans of baby formula. <laughs> but don't worry, they'll be free from the government. The government will take care of you and provide for you. 
It's the Josh Weiner program. Everything liberal is wonderful. Everything, even the stuff that isn't wonderful. It's all wonderful. It's great. <laughs> that Mitt Romney's gonna have a five hundred trillion dollar tax cut for the for the five wealthiest people in the world. And he's going to have Bill Gates personally print off hundred dollar bills only for him. <laughs> Mitt Romney is going to run the printing press and and do one for you, one for me, one for you, and one for me. And nobody, uh, the dollar is going to be completely worthless because the Mitt Romney is going to do it. Hey. I don't know. I don't know if I could do three hours of that every day. Three hours of the Josh Weiner program, followed by, on some of these stations, then we'll have the evil Nathan Jackass coming up next. I've been here, ladies and gentlemen. I have to sit next to a liberal. Did you hear? He's fat and disgusting, and he sweats, and he smells like he smells like McDonald's and trans fat and cigarettes, which are bad for. We we have to crack down on the tobacco industries. So between Glenn Beck and all these other radio dudes and all these other guys on Fox News, and I'm just wondering if we could have a show that's just. Well, kind of like this one, where we just, come on, common sense and some objectivity. I want people to have opinions, and I want people to have passionate opinions. But, I mean, could we just have somebody that comes on and doesn't just have to, like, I'm tired of everything Republican is good. Everything Democrat is bad. Everything Democrat is good. Everything Republican, everything over here is good. Everything over there is bad. What about what's in the middle? Or what about uh, a different viewpoint? No, 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 no. That's crazy talk. Okay. Now, there are some other interesting things that have gone on the last couple of days. Uh, for example, do you know when, when you try to get into Texas as an illegal, things get pretty tough. All right, Texas, people talk about Arizona and our anti-immigration laws. No, no, no. We've got nothing on South Texas, especially you try to cross the border into Texas and you're liable to stir up a hornet's nest. They'll get the entire state after you. Not really much of an exaggeration either. Here's what happened. So some illegals were crossing the border. A bunch of them crammed into a pickup truck that crossed the border somewhere in South Texas. This is actually, I think, near La Jolla, about 70 miles northwest of Brownsville. And there was a pickup truck that had uh, approximately 10 illegals crammed into the back. And it's speeding along. And of course, the standard procedure is you get a police car to chase after it. Then things get really exciting when they deploy a helicopter from the Texas Department of Public Safety. This is all according to the Associated Press. The helicopter joined in the pursuit. And now... Uh, somebody named Umberto Palicios, who's an official with the Guatemalan consul, consulate in McAllen, has some serious questions because the chase went on and now three people are dead. The people are dead because an officer discharged his weapon during the pursuit. Nobody from the pickup truck fired on the officers. However, Somebody from the helicopter shot down at the car or at the pickup truck. 
Yes, like a scene right out of the movies. This helicopter is is pursuing the pickup. This police car is pursuing the pickup. Somebody from the helicopter uses a rifle and fires down at the car. Unbelievable. A DPS officer discharged the weapon during the chase, according to a statement. Uh, It was confirmed that two people traveling in the vehicle were dead. One was seriously injured and transported to a hospital. Texas Parks and Wildlife spokesman Mike Cox said Friday that the chase began because officials suspected illegal activity. Troopers were looking for additional subjects Thursday afternoon, and the Texas Rangers are investigating the incident. The DPS has taken an aggressive role on the border in recent years, increasing the number of troopers there, deploying boats and dispatching helicopters with designated marksmen armed with powerful rifles. I have no pro- I understand why this goes on. The drug cartels that are along the border in Texas and right across the border, especially in hell holes that are around there. Um, I, I got to tell you, I can understand why this goes on. I get it. The cartels run the border and you need people with um, as much, as many arms as possible. But at the same time, this was not a situation where people were firing at you. This was a truck clearly just full of illegals, probably some coyote smuggling them across the border and you open fire and now two people are dead. One is critically injured. As a result, the agency has been involved in a large number of high-speed chases, sometimes ending in in what troopers call splashdowns, when smugglers drive their vehicles into the Rio Grande to escape U.S. law enforcement. Cartel operatives on the Mexican side often then use boats to recover some of the contraband from the smuggled trucks. The agency director has said that it's been forced into the role because federal agencies aren't doing enough to secure the border. And I agree with that. You know, our federal government does nothing to secure the border. We've done nothing. They, they of course, then say, whenever the states decide to take action to defend the border, they say, no, 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 this falls under the purview of the federal government. I have no problem. I have no problem with defending the border. You know me. I'm as much about border enforcement as possible. But do we really need sharpshooters flying around in helicopters to shoot at a, at a truck full of illegals? There's probably a better way to handle it. Probably. I know some of you in the audience probably right now are going, yeah, right on. Right on, shoot them bastards, shoot them illegals. Look, okay, fine, I get it. But, you know, um, probably not the best way to handle it. And oh, by the way, people are dead. Can you imagine if if somebody, if an innocent person was just driving down the road there, driving down the highway, and all of a sudden a truck full of illegals goes by, here comes a police car, and uh-oh, here comes the helicopter fire, spraying bullets down on the road, and boom, now innocent person is dead. Already, innocent people have been hit by stray bullets. Some people have been caught up in the middle of these high-speed chases, risking safety. You, you can't tell me that you look, you've got a helicopter on these people. It's not like they're going to escape. You've got a car. You've got a, a, you know, one of these crown Victorias chasing after a pickup truck. You can't tell me that a pickup truck is going to be able to outrun a crown Vic. Not going to happen. So you're going to be able to catch these people. I'm pretty sure of that.
you probably don't need to be opening fire on them. Sorry, I'm not going to toe the line of, yeah, well, got to shoot damn bastards. If they're if they're shooting at you, go ahead, open fire. Let them have it. I don't drop a bomb on them. I don't care at that point. The drug cartels, absolutely. Shoot first, ask questions later. This is not a drug cartel. This is a bunch of people getting smuggled over the border. This is a bunch of illegals, as it turned out. But you don't know that. You don't. Uh, but a drug cartel, as has been proven, the drug cartels, they don't care if you're law enforcement. They'll shoot you. They'll shoot at the helicopter. They'll shoot at the police cruiser. They'll shoot at anybody. That's what drug cartels do. Especially thanks to Fast and Furious, these drug cartels are very heavily armed now. They're heavily armed with high-powered rifles and just about any other weapon under the sun. Thanks a lot, Fast and Furious. Thanks a lot, President Obama. This is probably a good time to mention that if you just legalize drugs, probably wouldn't have to worry about these cartels firing at people constantly. Half of the illegal immigration problem would probably disappear as well. That and, you know, turning off all the free stuff. If you did that, no more cartels, no more illegals, no more problems. Or at least not nearly as much. Thank you. Oh, I know. We're not allowed to talk about that, I guess. Okay. If you're planning a vacation to Australia anytime soon and you think you're going to have a nice relaxing time on the beach and yeah, oh, yeah, it'll be great. Uh, hold on a minute. Not so fast. Three more canisters have washed up on northern Australian beaches in uh, the last several days, prompting officials to renew warnings to the public. The silver canisters found on the shores of Cairns, Innisfail, and Mission Beach contain aluminum phosphate, a colorless, flammable, and toxic gas, which has the potential to self-ignite. Police issued these, the canisters that kind of look like grenades. Police issued a warning last week after four canisters were found along a 200-kilometer stretch of coastline between Air and, and Ingham, Ingham since February. Exposure to the highly toxic phosphine gas can cause sickness, ringing in the ears, fatigue, and chest pains. I have that already. I'm not really worried about it. Oh, and look who's on the job hunt once again. Good old Keith Olbermann, folks. Story that's out here that says that Keith Olbermann still hasn't been able to found, find a job. He's apparently been burning all of his bridges over the last several years. You might remember he used to have a host. Uh, he used to host a show on Fox Sports years ago. Then, of course, he had his famous MSNBC show called Countdown. Then... Uh, he went over to, what was, oh, Current TV. He was a guy that was too outrageous for Current TV. Just like I was talking about Glenn Beck getting fired for um, for being too outrageous on a network that hires Bill O'Reilly. Keith Olbermann. Keith Olbermann was fired from MSNBC, a company that has people like Ed Schultz and Chris Matthews. <laughs> So you tell me, this guy is is outrageous. But yeah, after his uh, after his last stint with Current TV, the temperamental host is aggressively job hunting, and he's not being too picky about it. In recent weeks, Olbermann has reached out to executives at a slew of different networks 
to communicate his desire for a new on-air role, according to people with knowledge of the conversations. Those include both cable outlets and at least one broadcast network. He has expressed an interest in taking over as anchor of existing shows and in starting a new show. But uh, let's see, indeed, several of the networks that he's approached don't have any news programming per se on the schedule. His frustration is not having a real platform during the height of election season. So, and this apparently has been evident. I don't know why he doesn't just start a video uh, video blog or, you know, like a video show, like a, a video cast or even a podcast. I don't know why Keith Olbermann doesn't do that. If he's so desperate to get back on the air, why not just do that? You've got a crap ton of money. Not that a news show is all that he'll consider. Olbermann has also told people he'd like to be involved in sports commentary again, sports coverage. While he was on Countdown, he also was at least briefly a commentator on NBC's Sunday Night Football. Remember that? That was awful. Keith Olbermann tried to wedge in some funny stuff. It was kind of like when they brought in Dennis Miller to do Monday Night Football. I was probably one of the only people that enjoyed Dennis Miller on Monday Night Football, but I did understand why people didn't like it. Sometimes he tried to shoehorn commentary, like, uh, like you know, humor in there and make references to 14th century France or something like that. I do recall he put in like a Henry VIII reference into a Monday Night Football game. Al Michaels, Packers and the Giants. And then all of a sudden, here, he, here he goes with like some, some reference to Henry VIII. Third down. It's the Henry VIII play coming up. I don't know. He somehow sandwiched, shoehorned those things in there. Please, let's not have Keith Olbermann back on there. We have enough condescending, extremist, pseudo-intelligent types that are on the air already that are espousing some whacked-out viewpoint, hating on everything and everybody possible. We already have enough of that. MSNBC is overflowing with that crap. You might suspect that Olbermann would be steering clear of NBC Universal on his job hunt, given the rather, well, acrimonious history that he's had with the company. And you would be right, at least as far as anyone knows. Now, among the networks that he has approached are Viacom and AMC Networks, two conglomerates that he has yet to piss off. Maybe he'll try to go back to uh, Fox or FX in some capacity. Although that's unlikely because Rupert Murdoch said years ago that he would never hire Keith Olbermann again. Well, no, why would he? Why why would Rupert Murdoch ever bring Keith Olbermann back? He threw him to the wolves, um, I think in like 1998. And you know what? Keith Olbermann was, was terrible as a sports host anyway. Keith Olbermann is terrible, period. I know some of you find him entertaining and that he's somehow witty and insightful. He's not. There are so many people that are liberal that are so much more entertaining than him. Jon Stewart. I've never really gotten the Jon Stewart thing necessarily, although I do find Jon Stewart to be funny. I don't get the incredible hype that he has, but I do understand Jon Stewart is actually funny. Jon Stewart is actually intelligent. He's not some condescending wannabe Rhodes Scholar types that believe that everything they say is golden and is super witty and informative. And that's just, you know, John Stewart's great. I, I, you know, he's got his audience. Stephen Colbert is fine. Uh, we don't need Keith Olbermann.
All right. No, thanks. Uh, we'll pass. You know what? Actually, you can come and work here. I'll post. If you do a podcast, I'll post it on my website. I'll throw you a bone, Keith. Um, you know, I mean, it's not the pay is probably a little bit less than what you're used to, but I'll I'll be willing to throw you a bone because I know that there's still at least a few people out there that want to hear from you. A few. I know that they exist. I remember when you were on MSNBC and you got those audiences that were just staggering. I mean, you were dead last in the ratings, but hey, there was still, you know, a couple hundred thousand people out there that wanted to hear from you. You know, everybody else got 10 or 20 times your ratings, but hey, you still had an audience and, and that's important. That's good. All right. Um, Going to take a quick break here. Coming up on the other side, you remember that stretch of highway that opened in Texas we were talking about on the previous show? Um, this uh, Highway 130 from Austin to San Antonio? Well, somebody decided to see just how fast they could go on the new stretch of highway that boasts the nation's highest speed limit. Somebody went at incredible, incredible speed and had the blessing of local authorities to do it. I don't think there's anything better than that. And a public schools update that once again reinforces the point that you will be punished for being honest and doing the right thing. All of that and... Maybe the most bizarre story I've ever done on the air in 12 years. A woman that is whipping her man from beyond the grave. Yes, we've all heard of the stories of people that are whipped. This is, this is whipping that is set in stone, quite literally. Um, I don't know how else to describe it other than that. We'll, we'll get to that. And got to take a look at the pop chart. Still a lot to get to. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Oh, no, you didn't. Bring it on, suck a fool. The Michael Groff Show. She's drawing down the moon In the forest Naked and free she runs She says cause when you die In your spirit segment, the Zip Code Famous Michael Grob Show on a Friday. It is uh, October the 26th, 2012. Thank you so much for checking us out. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Michael Groff, the handle on Twitter. Groff Show on Google Talk. And, of course, for everything that could possibly be Michael Groff related, you can always check us out at michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can always listen to our podcasts. Subscribe so that you get email notifications whenever we post a brand new show. Get in on the RSS feed. 
Our Twitter feed is posted over there at michaelgroff.com as well. You can post your comments on any of these programs. Always available to you at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. All right, so in Texas, there is a guy, this John Hennessy, I guess is his name. He modifies cars. He's well known for doing this. And I was telling you about how they opened that new stretch of freeway, new Highway 130 between Austin and San Antonio. It boasts the nation's highest speed limit at 85 miles per hour. Well, this guy... By the, he had the permission of local authorities. They monitored this. He decided to uh, take one of his modified cars for a test drive. He managed to get, this is, you know, like a regular car, like a, a car that you could get at a uh, dealership. He got the speed limit. He got his car up to 220.5 miles per hour on this stretch of freeway. The video is pretty amazing. He manages to get this car up to 220 miles per hour. It's like less than a minute. So, you know, yeehaw, Texas, they love their, their speed. You know that. So that is the new stretch of Highway 130 from San Antonio to Austin. Probably, I'm going to guess the authorities aren't going to like it if you try to go even 100 miles per hour. 220. You see, they show the video of the car going by. It's like it just zips by so fast. I've never seen a car go that fast. It's incredible. All right. Um, this, is, uh, this is weird. So this is from Newton County, Georgia. A public schools update, folks. An eight-year-old Newton County boy who says he quickly alerted his teacher that he mistakenly brought an unloaded BB gun to school now faces a suspension and court hearing. Third grader Andrew Berry of Covington often carries around a backpack, just like his father, who is an, uh, who's currently serving in the Army. He's a flight medic in Afghanistan. His mother, Christy Berry, told Channel 2's Rachel Stockman that Andrew spent the night at his grandparents and took the gun to practice shooting with his father. But Andrew forgot to take it out of his backpack, and so it was still in there when he went to Newton County Theme School on Monday. Quote, he did the right thing. As soon as he knew that there was something in the bag, that he accidentally brought the gun, he told his teacher. Well, unfortunately, Andrew was then called into the principal's office. Quote, I told him I was at my grandpa's house. I packed it and wanted to shoot it. And then I forgot to unpack it, Andrew said. Quote, my son is being punished severely because he did the right thing, Barry said. As of right now, he's suspended for a minimum of 10 days and he has to go to juvenile court and a police report was filed by the local police. But of course, the school, their spokeswoman, Sherry Davis Vineyard said that the rule is very, very clearly defined in the school's handbook. There is a zero tolerance policy. And she said, quote, we do have that policy in place, but in fact, Georgia state law says that any weapon that propels, we have to notify law enforcement. So the school did absolutely what they were supposed to do. The Berry family believes that their situation is the reason that zero tolerance policies should have an exception. Quote, I feel that each situation needs to be analyzed individually, Barry said. 
quote, we we give them authority to take care of our children for six to eight hours a day. Shouldn't they have the authority to make a judgment call on something this innocent? Andrew's grandfather, Stephen Holt, said, well, of course. But this is the problem when you have a zero tolerance policy. We now suspend kids, expel kids even on drug charges for bringing an aspirin or a Tylenol to school. This is not the first time something like this has happened. The kid does the right thing and now he's being punished. He tells the truth. He doesn't try to cover it up. He alerts his teacher. He, he made a mistake. And now for making a mistake, he's being punished with a minimum of a 10-day suspension. And he may very well even have a juvie record as a result of making a simple mistake, which again tells the kid, hey, next time you make a mistake, just lie about it or cover it up. That's the lesson that the school system is teaching here. This is how it should have gone down. Kid goes to the teacher and says, hey, by the way, I, I accidentally left this gun in my backpack. And uh, I, I don't know. So teacher should say, all right, here, don't do this again. I'm going to take it. I'll hold on to it till the end of the day. And then I'll give it back to you. Don't let anybody know about it. Thank you. You did the right thing. Wonderful. All right, here you go. And then gives the gun back at the end of the day. Bam. Situation over. No juvenile record, no police report, no suspension, no problem whatsoever. Not inconveniencing the parent, not having the kid miss any school time and fall behind in terms of education and blah, blah, blah. No, this is how you should handle it. The law is set up so that, well, that's why we have judges and that's why we have, well, that's why, and school boards, that's why they elect administrators to handle these things. Other, if you just have a zero tolerance policy, what's the point of even having an administrator in the first place? What's the point of having a disciplinary action? What's the point? Why not just, if you're going to have zero tolerance policy, why not just have somebody that says, all right, you broke the law, boom. You broke the policy, boom. You're suspended, gone. No need for a principal. That's $100,000 off the books you could save right there if you're just going to have blanket zero tolerance policies. Doesn't make any sense. Well, there, you, there you go. A public schools update. Do the right thing. Get punished. Tell the truth. Get punished. Nice, nice lesson to the kids. All right. I don't even know how to feel about this next story. Um, I don't. I, I don't know. All right. This is from Belgrade, Serbia. A Serbian widower is making news after having his late wife's vagina engraved on her headstone. You heard me correctly. Milan Marjankovic says that it was his late wife's dying wish that he never look at the private areas of another woman, according to the examiner. Before she passed away, Melina Marjankovic left detailed instructions on how she wanted her final wishes to be carried out. She explicitly described to her husband that she wanted him to give photographs that she had taken of her vagina to give it to a, a hired sculptor so that he can make an exact, exact replica and uh, it can be on her headstone. The problem wasn't finding the money, though, but finding an artist that would actually do it. Most sculptors called this blasphemy. Now it's finished and I love it. The husband says, it's a good likeness. And this way, a part of her will always be with me, said the 72-year-old widower. Talk about a wife that's whipping you from beyond the grave. You know, there's a lot of jokes in here. I'm sure there's something to be said like, 
he probably, based on the way his wife has behaved, he probably won't know the difference between the stone vagina and the real one. Um, you know, by I'm sure, like most women sexually, she's probably really bad in bed. He won't notice the difference. Blah blah blah. You know, there's like a million jokes in here somewhere. Da da da. That is maybe the weirdest story I've ever heard. What woman? I don't. I don't want you looking at the privates. I don't want you looking at the anybody else's vagina. So I am going to, you know, most people put an epitaph on their grave, on their headstone. No, her epitaph is her vagina. So what, what is he supposed to do? Like go there and it's like it's sculpted in there. So does he go there and have sex with the headstone? I mean, what, you know what? It's better that we just not even ask the questions. All right, um, from that, uh, we might as well just uh, very smoothly transition into this. I've never been so happy to go to the pop chart segment. Never. For once. <laughs> All right. It is time to take a look at the top 10 songs in the world of pop music. These are the 10 most played songs on radio stations across these United States. And I am I am disappointed to let you know uh, as to what's going on. All right, number 10 this week on the chart is Psy with Gangnam Style. I don't know why this song is popular or why people like it. This sounds like something that would be at a gay nightclub, but what a, who, who am I to say? I've tuned out. All right, uh, number nine, it's Kesha with Die Young. thought that Kesha I really thought that this would be one of those artists that has one hit and is gone she was the Falco of like 2010 or whenever she first came out alright at number 8 it's Owl City Featuring Carly Rae Jepsen. Good time. Oh, this song drives me insane also. What's up with this Prince song inside my head? Yeah. Hands up if you're down to get down tonight. Cause it's 
always a good time. What's up with this song? Oh, it's so dumb. Yeah. If you're down to get down tonight. It's always a good time. Okay, number seven, it's Pink with Blow Me One Last Kiss. Number five, that's funny, we were talking about vaginas just a minute ago because here's a guy that's another name for a vagina. It's Chris Brown with Don't Wake Me Up. Too much light in this window. Oh, yeah. Don't, Don't wake me up. <laughs> Only coffee, no sugar. Most femme song on the chart, I guarantee you. Even more femme than Owl City. I didn't think that was possible, but here it is. I can't take it. Number four, it's Alex Clare with Too Close. This is at least tolerable. I'll give it that. Number four, fun with some nights. I don't get this song at all. Some nights I wish that my lips could build a castle. Some nights I wish they just fall off. Yeah. But I, I still wake up. I still see our gospel. Oh, Lord, I'm still not sure what I what, what is this song even about? I don't know. Yeah. I like their other song a lot better. Number three, it's Taylor Swift. The, the chart is really aggravating. When we broke up the yeah. first time, saying this is oh, this is where she goes, what? Because like we hadn't seen each other in a month when you said you needed space. What? What? And you come around again and say, baby, I miss you and I swear I'm going to change. Trust me. Remember how that lasted for a day? I say, I hate you. We break up. You call me. I love you. Annoying. All right, number two, it's Justin Bieber. Oh boy, with As Long As You Love Me.
somehow Justin Bieber is still popular. It doesn't matter. Some people can just, they can be as absolutely the butt, the brunt of all jokes of society. They can be just a complete laughing stock. They can put out the most femme music. They can do no wrong, though, because they keep getting their music played. People keep buying it. People keep going to their concerts. How does this happen? As long as you don't say something bad about a Republican president, your career will go on forever no matter what you do. Madonna, she can come out and in Denver, Colorado and have an opening sequence where guns are fired off and you know where she pretends to shoot people in the audience. She can show up three hours late. Doesn't matter. People still love her. She can't do anything wrong. Justin Bieber, doesn't matter. I don't know if this makes sense, but... I don't know if this makes hallelujah. sense, but... Give me a time and place, I rendezvous. I fly... I rendezvous. I, 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 Girl, you know I got you. Girl, you know I got you. Isn't he white? Spell without you. Now we on top of the world. Now we on top of the world. Yeah. Tell me sky's the limit. Yeah, tell me sky's the limit. Yeah. Stepping out like what? Cameras pointing shoot. Ask me what's my best side. I stand back. Ask me what's my best side. It's probably my ass. Yeah. That's what the guys tell me anyway. Oh. Greener on the other side. It's green water is so I know. We got issues, baby. You guys want to go watch Rant with me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wanna go listen to some show tunes? Oh. I'm gonna pull on my dress. I can do this kind of music any day. You just gotta talk like this and just randomly leave off letters and every word you say. Leave off consonants and vowel. Yeah, yeah. I'd be a nightmare on Wheel of Fortune. All right. The number one song this week. I think I have the drum roll. Let me see. Hold on a minute. I, my, my drum roll's around here somewhere. I don't know where it is. All right, let's see. Uh, here we go. Yeah, the number one song for the week. Ladies and gentlemen, on the pop chart is... Not very exciting. It's Maroon 5 with One More Night. This has been the number one song for like three or four weeks in a row now. Let me see if I have the stats on it. the country on top 40 radio stations on pop stations or what they call CHR stations which is a specific kind of format this song has had 15,134 total plays in the last week I really don't know how many songs there are or how many stations there are in that survey but you one more night. And I know I said it a million times. 
pop chart for the week, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I'm very disappointed. I don't know about the rest of you, but then again, I'm always disappointed by the pop chart. I don't think it's possible to really approve of this. I'd have to go back about 25 years to find a pop chart that probably one through at least one through 10 had all good songs or at least mediocre. So you'd have to go back 25 years minimally, maybe 20, maybe even the early nineties. Most of the songs were at least decent, but these man, when you see Justin Bieber, Chris Brown, Owl city down to get down tonight. <laughs> really? All right, one final note here. World Series Game 3 tonight. Now, most people thought that this World Series would be relatively one-sided, that there would be a very dominant team. And you're right, there was a very dominant team. Uh, except it was the San Francisco Giants. The Giants have dominated this series thus far, uh, beating the Tigers in Game 1, 8-3, to 2 to nothing in Game 2 to take a 2 nothing series lead. The games, uh, the, the series has shifted back to Detroit for games three, four, and five, if necessary. And I got to tell you right now, uh, Detroit just, they cannot, they cannot drive in a run with a runner in scoring position to save their life. Plus, of course, uh, weird managerial decisions, sending Prince Fielder, one of the slowest, fattest guys you'll ever see, to try and score. That was, in game two, that was just awful. And then they had second and third, nobody out, and they couldn't score. I think that was in the seventh inning that that happened in game two. The Tigers might be in trouble. Now, I still think this is going to be something of a series. Uh, figured the Giants would win this in seven games. And the reason I, I picked the Giants to win is because I thought their bullpen was way better. The, the Detroit Tigers, if there is one weakness for that team, it is their bullpen. But uh, the Giants have the better starting pitching and they hit well on the road. And now with the series in Detroit, I think the giants are going to come out and just swat the ball over the place. If they get to the, the bullpen of the tigers early tonight or well, it is tonight now uh, because we have drifted over into Saturday. Um, that is, um, that's going to be huge. That is going to be huge. All right, uh, folks, I think that's it. I don't really have anything else to add on that. Uh, this has not been a very compelling World Series. I mean, unless, of course, you're a San Francisco Giants fan. I don't really have a rooting interest. I'm not really a fan of either team. Um, I don't really like Detroit. And I don't really like San Francisco. I don't like the Giants because, well, they're a rival of the Diamondbacks. And uh, I will say I'll give the Giants some credit. They got rid of Melky Cabrera. They didn't put up with his crap. As soon as he got caught with performance-enhancing drugs, they just they threw him right off the team. They said, see ya. And as far as I'm concerned, that at least I'll give them some props for that. So the Giants, I guess since they're the National League, I guess I'll root for them. Because I do believe the National League is superior. Not necessarily statistically. I just like the National League style of play better. Sorry, I'm not a fan of the DH. All right, and that's it. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for your most generous contributions to this program. AOL Instant Messenger. 
Screen name is Michael Groff Show. If you want to find me on Twitter, the name is Michael Groff. Or, of course, if you want to shoot me a message over on GTalk, it's Google Talk. Um, you can uh, do so. My screen name there is Groff Show. For everything else Michael Groff related, you know you can always go to the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. While you're at michaelgroff.com, you can do all of those wonderful things. Make a donation to this program. Comment on this or any other one of our shows. You can uh, look at our Twitter feed. And uh, I don't know. There's just there's lots of stuff you can do at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. A couple of shout-outs. First of all, um, let's see here. Shout-outs. Uh, oh, the Nebraska ambassador. I have not gotten back to him on Instant Messenger because he, he messages me at, like, weird times of the day, and I'm never around to respond to him. So, the Nebraska ambassador. Uh, giving attribution where attribution is due for some of the stories of the contribution to this program. Carmen, thank you for that. I want to make sure because, you know, I'll use stories sometimes and then I don't give attribution. So I'm doing that now. So Carmen, thank you for the contribution. And everybody, anybody that spreads nasty, venomous comments on my webpage, that's beautiful also. And and the nice comments, I, I like those too. I, really, any attention I get, I like. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Good night, everybody.